I'm sure there have been times when you've felt afraid to ask a question. And it might be a surprise to us that the Lord's disciples found, even in their gentle shepherd Jesus, someone to be afraid of at times. They were afraid, we ask, we read today, to ask him questions. As last Sunday the church presented to us in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus speaking of his death, and Peter admonishing him, this must not happen to you, and Jesus reprimanding him, telling him, get behind me, Satan. And again today, Jesus speaks of his death and resurrection. Now the disciples, we read, did not understand and were afraid to question him, which is perhaps not surprising after the reprimand that Peter had received from Jesus, get behind me, Satan. Neither is, is it surprising since the last time Peter opened his mouth, if we read the Gospel of Mark between last Sunday's Gospel and this Sunday's Gospel, we, it will, we would have read the scene of the Transfiguration. And we read in, in Mark's Gospel, you know, when Peter said how good it is for us to be here, he did not know what to say, for they were exceedingly afraid. And of course, as soon as Peter spoke, the vision uh, disappeared. And in the midst of this fear of opening their hearts to Jesus, they discuss which of them is to be the greatest. So contrary to all that the Lord was trying to, to teach them. Well, the first thing is to, is to know that in the face of what is difficult to understand, we might remember this commentary of St. Bede. Jesus always mingles together sorrowful and joyful things, that sorrow should not by its suddenness frighten the apostles, but be borne by them with prepared minds. Remember that when Jesus spoke about his, the suffering and death that he was to endure, he always spoke about the resurrection. But his disciples seemed to ignore that aspect of his message and seemed only to uh, focus on the passion, the suffering and death. And it was that that they could not understand. Of course, they couldn't understand resurrection either. But they seemed to focus on the suffering and death. St. Bede reminds us that the Lord mingles sorrow with joyful things, so as to encourage us. St. Augustine says how the weak man must neither be deceived by false hopes nor shattered by fear lest he fail at the prospect of temptations to come. This mingling sometimes of a warning of temptations and yet with the consoling promise of God's mercy. Yes, Jesus was to be delivered into the hands of men and they shall kill him and three days after his death the Son of Man will rise. In, and in the, in the midst of the inevitable sorrows and setbacks of our life, we should trust that some good will always come. Some good is always the assured outcome in view whenever we are facing some kind of tribulation in life. Our Lord surely wants us to experience the joy of the resurrection. And then secondly, he really does want us to be first 
He really does want us to be great in the kingdom of heaven. But he needs to show us the way to achieve that first place in the kingdom, that greatness in the kingdom. The way is not as we would expect, but in fact, the way to greatness is by becoming the least, by becoming the servant of all. Again, St. Augustine says, observe a tree, how it first tends downwards, that it may then shoot forth upwards. It, fosters, it, it, it fastens its root low in the ground, that it may send forth its top toward heaven. Is it not from humility that it endeavors to rise? But without humility, it will not attain to higher things. You are wanting to grow up into the air without a root. Such is not growth, but a collapse. And we know that if a tree, if a tree doesn't have deep roots, come the wind, it will just collapse. And the Lord's example with a child is particularly moving today. For the child is the weakest of all God's creatures. And it is the child with whom Jesus Christ identifies himself and indeed the Father. The world and its rulers stand in judgment of Christ as did Pilate and just hand him over to men. Jesus Christ handed over for crucifixion. The early martyrs in the ancient church handed over because it pleased those in power. The martyrs of all the centuries of the church handed over. Martyrs today handed over because those in power do not consider them, those people worth defending. And today the powerful stand over the little innocent in the womb and outside the womb, negotiating the highest possible price for the sale of the parts of that little child. Every abortion is a re-crucifixion of Christ. Every act of contraception, every marital act that is closed to the possibility of life is a rejection of a renewed incarnation of Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh. Every child hurt or abused is Christ being hurt or abused. Every child welcomed, loved, tenderly cared for is Christ being welcomed, loved, tenderly cared for. Jesus tells us today, whoever receives one child such as this in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but the one who sent me. No, a child should not be spoiled. A child should not be indulged. Spare the rod, spoil the child. Yes, a child may need discipline, of course, and teaching. But a child is worthy of veneration, of adoration even. When an adult comes down to the child's level to speak to it face to face, he or she has to bend on the knee to speak to that child.
and that is right and fitting. For in that child we see Christ and the Father himself. And we must learn from that child. That child is great in the kingdom of heaven. And unless we become like that little child, we cannot be great in the kingdom of heaven. But God wants us to be great in the kingdom of heaven. He wants us to have that first place in the kingdom of heaven. Let us embrace the sorrows of life and the trials knowing that there is resurrection. Let us see in the innocence of the child the innocence that we need to recover if we are to be great also in the kingdom of heaven.